Dead America, Seattle, Part 3 Dead America, The Northwest Invasion, Book 5 Written by Derek Slayton Narrated by Aaron Smith Chapter 1 Day Zero Plus 23 David walked across the crowded airport, still teeming with life despite the nearly 5 a.m. time. The planes from Mercer Island Mission had landed and were being refueled and checked in a few of the hangars. He stopped on the runway as a large group of heavily armed soldiers walked across, pausing to give them space. Most of the men looked barely awake, still rubbing their eyes as they marched towards the commuter buses. There were hundreds of soldiers dropping their gear by the side of the bus, stretching and taking a seat on the ground. David shook his head, worrying about what those men were heading into, and how many more were on the way to join them. Best trained military in the world, but they're really up against it this time, he thought bitterly. If I'm going to have faith in anyone to pull this off, it's them. The last few soldiers in the formation passed, looking over at him with curious eyes. It was a strange sight to see a civilian in shorts and a t-shirt carrying mugs of coffee casually in the middle of a military zone. He nodded politely, prompting friendly nods in return. He couldn't expect all of the general soldier base to know who he was, considering most of his work with Captain Kersey was behind the scenes. He headed for the small office at the base of the control tower. He checked his watch, reading 4.58 a.m. He sighed, knowing he was early. He didn't want to bother the captain even a second earlier than he was supposed to, making sure he got the proper recharge time he needed. He turned around and continued surveying the sights for a little bit, sipping at his fresh coffee. He checked his watch again, and when it clicked over to five, he carefully transferred both mugs into one hand, juggling them to open the door. The office was dark, with only stray rays of spotlights from the hangar piercing through the cracks in the blinds. He set the mugs down on a desk and gripped the pull cord on the blinds, opening them up fully, flooding the room with light. He looked around, brow furrowed with confusion, not seeing anyone around. Captain Kersey, he called. It's David. A groan sounded from behind the desk and the sound of cracking bones and shuffling. It's 5 a.m. and I have your coffee, David declared. Like you requested? More groaning and a hand emerged from behind the desk, fingers curling over the wood to haul up the rest of its body. Captain Kersey peeled himself off of the floor and immediately flopped into his desk chair, rubbing his forehead. Five a.m. already? he asked hoarsely. David nodded and picked up the two mugs approaching the desk. Afraid so, he replied. But I did bring you coffee. He wiggled the mug back and forth a little the hot brew sloshing around inside. Kershey reached out without even opening his eyes, and when the porcelain pressed against his palm, he took it and downed half the mug in a single gulp. David blinked at him. Be careful, it's fresh, he said, even though it was too late. Might be hot. Nothing enhances caffeine like second-degree burns, Kersey replied, finally peeling his eyes open and even managing a small smile. David cocked his head. Are you sure you got enough rest? he asked. I can keep things rolling. I'm used to being up at this hour anyway. Nah, I got my thirty minutes of beauty sleep, the captain assured him, shaking his head. I'm good for the day. His com expert raised an eyebrow. Talk about burning the candle at both ends, he said dryly. Forget that, Kersey replied, rubbing his cheek. 
I'm pretty sure at this point I've just chucked that whole motherfucker right into the fire. David chuckled as he watched Kersey down the rest of his coffee in a single gulp and set the cup on the table. So, what's the status? the captain asked. David took a slurp of his own brew. The Mercer Island planes have returned and are getting prepped for when we need them next, he replied. Any word from the Mercer Island team? Kersey asked. His companion shook his head. Not yet, he said. But I really wasn't expecting to by this point. The first boats aren't scheduled to hit the island for another couple of hours. If they haven't made contact by then, I'll start reaching out. Good, Kersey replied with a nod and swiveled in his chair towards the window. So, how are we looking outside? David pulled a rolled-up stack of papers from the side pocket of his pants. The attack force for... He paused to check over his notes. The Redmond suburb on the far east side of things are gearing up. Buses look primed and ready to go, so it isn't going to be long before they head out. Were you able to locate the people Corporal Bretts needed? Kersey asked, taking another long sip of his coffee. His companion nodded. Yes, but it wasn't easy. What is these days? The captain sighed. I was able to find three privates, Hess, Short, and Kent, David explained. All three have seen combat either in Spokane or the last week as we moved up here, and all three have truck-driving experience. Kersey nodded. That's... He paused, stifling a huge yawn and shaking his head to fight it off. That's fantastic work. Captain, David said slowly, lowering his papers. I know all the details of the mission for Bretts and his team. I would be more than happy to present it while you find your legs there. Kersey stared down into the empty bottle of his mug and shook his head. Yeah, let's find a refill and then go talk to him. Don't worry, his friend replied with a smirk. I got the pot hidden. The captain laughed and wagged a finger at him. I knew I liked you for a reason. Chapter 2 Corporal Bretts, Private Mason, and Private Baker fiddled with their gear as their three new team members approached. Private Kent straightened, reaching them first. Are you Corporal Bretts? he asked. The corporal didn't look up from his gear. Yep, he replied flatly as he packed up several days' worth of MREs. The three newcomers shared nervous glances as they set their stuff down, taken aback by the lack of acknowledgement. Oh, well, Kent replied running a hand over his bald head. I'm Private Kent. This is Private Short and Private Hess. We were told to report to you by some assistant to Captain Kersey. Brent and his duo finally looked up, assessing the three soldiers that were easily in their early twenties. I wasn't aware we were babysitting on this mission, Baker said dryly. Kent's gaze darkened. Hey now, we've seen action just like you boys have, he snapped. So drop the fucking attitude, will you? Baker clenched a fist and pointed a finger at the kid. Now you listen here. Bretts put a hand out, smacking his palm into his subordinate's chest. I think what my friend here is saying, he drawled, is that he would feel a whole lot more comfortable knowing what kind of experience you have, since you'll be watching his back and all. Short stepped forward, patting Kent's shoulder to try to defuse him. I did a tour in the sandbox, he said. Baker blinked, his annoyance melting away. Wow, he replied. A whole tour? Yeah, as a transport driver, Short explained. I'd be willing to bet I saw more IEDs go off in that one tour than you saw in however many you were there for. And if that's not a good enough resume for you, 
I was on one of the decoy teams in Spokane, and I somehow walked away from Kansas City as well. Hess crossed his arms, voice level. Two tours as a transport driver, he began. Line fire team in Spokane. Emergency rescue team in Kansas City. Transport driver for a tour, Kent said, raising his chin with a snare. Wasn't in KC, but I was a part of the initial clear teams for the surrounding cities. Line fire team in Spokane. Short spread his arms. Let's put it this way, he said, motioning to his companions. If these were normal times, the military would have moved all three of us up the ranks a notch or two for our experience. But given how everything is fly by the seat of your pants insane at the moment, promotions have kind of taken a back seat to merely surviving the day. So, are we good enough for you? Kent demanded. Or should we go report to the grunt line? Mason and Bretts glanced at Baker, and he chuckled and nodded. Yeah, good enough for me, he said and stepped forward to shake hands with the youngsters. I'm Baker, that's Mason, and of course, that's Corporal Bretts, who will be leading us through this particular suicide mission. Mason groaned. I really wish you'd stop calling these suicide missions, he protested. If they were really suicide missions, we would have died a couple of weeks ago. Not my fault I'm stubborn, Baker shot back. Mason scratched the back of his head. Actually, I'm pretty sure it is. The group shared a laugh as they continued to organize their gear. There was a large pile of MREs on the floor, along with ammo and other various items. Make sure you pack up plenty of rations, Brett instructed, because if we pull this off, we're going to be on our own for several days. Kent grimaced. Oh, good, he drawled. Nothing like our very own zombie-infested vacation. Not the worst vacation I've ever been on, Baker quipped. Oh, yeah? Short asked, raising an eyebrow. Where was that? Baker sighed. Cabo. The trio of newcomers stared at him curiously. Cabo? Kent asked. How in the hell do you fuck up Cabo? Mason shook his head. He refuses to tell us, he said. Our best guess so far is that he got drunk, found a new friend, and brought back a souvenir that he didn't intend to. I keep telling you that's not it, Baker muttered, shaking his head. Mason and Bretts both rolled their eyes. Nah, I'm with Mason, Kent said, motioning to his new friend. It's definitely an unwanted souvenir. Baker scowled. Don't you start too, he warned, or I might have to come over and teach you some manners. Is that what you said to your friend to start your evening to forget in Cabo? Kent shot back. Nah, that's what his date said to him, Short added, smacking Kent in the shoulder. Take a good look at him. Don't he look like the discipline-loving type? The group, minus Baker, erupted into loud laughter, just as Kersey and David reached them. Good to see everyone is getting acquainted, the captain declared. The three new recruits perked up to attention while the other three just continued casually packing their gear. Kersey waved his hand at the youngsters. Please, guys, he said. It's way too early in the damn morning for that. Keep getting ready. Another yawn escaped his mouth, and he covered it with his fist. Oh, man, sorry. You all right there, Cap? Bretts asked, brow furrowing. Yeah, just... Kersey replied and took a sip of his coffee. Lots I gotta be awake for which is why I'm going to have my friend David here walk you through the mission. David's eyes widened as all six soldiers turned to him, looking like a deer caught in the headlights. Oh, okay, 
he stammered. Just going to jump on in. He pulled out his maps, fumbling the papers a little. Okay, here we go. He spread out one of the immediate region and one of a small town on a nearby table. Gentlemen, if you will please focus your attention on the small town map and we'll get started. What you are looking at is the town of Redmond, a quaint little suburb to the northeast of downtown Seattle. While you can't really tell from this crop, it is the first signs of civilization as you approach from the east. Baker raised his hand. David tongued his cheek for a moment, hesitating as he tried to remember his name. Yes, Baker? Yeah, the private replied with a nod, lowering his hand. When you say little, you want to quantify that a bit more? David raised a hand, tilting it back and forth in the air. Well, it's little compared to some of the other suburbs he replied. Pre-war, there were about 75,000 people living there. You and I have very different definitions of little, Baker retorted. The communications expert grimaced. My apologies, he said, putting a hand to his chest. The good news is you aren't going to have to go very deep into Redmond to get what you're looking for. He pointed to a circled area on the southeast portion of town. There were several large, white-roofed buildings making up a substantial shopping center. According to our satellite imagery, the trucks you need to complete your mission are in this shopping center on the southeast portion of town. Now, the satellite imagery also shows a heavy zombie population, but you will be embedded with a moderate-sized strike force who will be there clearing out the town. How big? Short asked without raising his hand. David glanced at him. We're sending in a team of 750 to secure Redmond. A squad of a hundred will be tasked with escorting you to the site before rejoining the others. You are to get in, secure half a dozen trucks, and head out. He slid over to the larger area map. Now, he took a deep breath, this is where things get tricky. Pretty sure it's all tricky, Kent quipped, but go on. With the trucks secure, you'll be hopping on Highway 520 South, David continued, which will lead you to your destination. Unfortunately, it also means you have to go through the town of Overlake. It's smaller than Redmond, but the last images we have show a significant presence of zombies on the road. Can we go around them? Mason asked. David shook his head. Wouldn't recommend it, he admitted. A lot of the surface streets are covered in trees, but the areas where we can see the road appear to be crowded. You're going to just have to push through. And what are we supposed to do when those fuckers get wedged up in the wheels? Baker asked, throwing up his hands. Or stall out the engine. Kent smirked. You could always hitchhike. Would you pick me up? Baker scoffed. Kent winked at him. Not after hearing your Cabo story. Laughter rippled through the group again, and Brett's waved a hand to get them to settle down. The most difficult portion of this drive is up next, David said, raising his voice a bit to get them to focus. The 405 interchange. The good news is you'll be on the ground, so no risk of running off of a bridge. Bad news is it's most likely going to be densely packed. Mason leaned his hands on the table. So, how are we supposed to get through there? He asked. Air support, David replied. The soldiers glanced around at each other and nodded, impressed. Air support, huh? Baker asked, rubbing his hands together. What we got? Two Apache gunships. David replied. They'll need a thirty-minute window to arrive, so you'll have to plan accordingly, but call them in and they'll clear a path for you here. He pointed to the stretch of road. Baker raised his hand and the communications expert reluctantly motioned to him. 
"'If we have Apaches,' the private began, "'then why are we risking our lives to go block these bridges? "'Why not just blow them to hell and call it a day?' "'David looked at Kersey, who appeared to still be half asleep. "'The captain startled when he realized everyone was looking at him and cleared his throat. "'Because somebody way above our pay grade has decided that infrastructure, like this, has to be spared,' he explained. They feel like this city is going to have to be usable once we take it over, and we won't have the manpower or resources to repair the bridges. He took a long gulp of his coffee. Great, Baker said with a sigh. So we're expendable, huh? Bretts patted his shoulder. Nah, bud, just you, he said. They're actually rooting for the rest of us to come back. There was another light round of chuckles, and Kersey raised his mug to David to encourage him to continue. Okay, his friend said. Once the gunships clear the way for you, the first target is the 520 bridge over Lake Washington. Two trucks will need to block this off to protect our soldiers who are advancing from the east. The other four trucks are to keep going towards the main target, which is the I-5 bridge just north of downtown. They leaned over to have a look at the bridge, seeing a major interchange just south of it. Bretts pointed to it, tapping his finger. That interchange going from the 520 to the 5 looks problematic, he said. Can we call in the Apaches to help us out there? Unfortunately not, David replied, shaking his head. They have a one-way ticket to the ships just offshore. In order to get more people on, they had to ditch a lot of non-essentials, like missiles and fuel. Mason scratched his head. So, how are we supposed to get across if we can't get to the bridge? He asked. David tapped an area on the map. Just to the east of the target, there is a small surface street bridge, he explained. This should let you get across so you can block it from the north. Once you do that, you just have to sit back and wait on reinforcements to arrive in a few days. And if they don't? Baker wondered. Hope the water below is deep enough for a high dive, Mason replied. Baker shook his head. Comforting. Any questions? David asked. When there was no answer, he took a step back, happy to concede the floor. All right, Captain? Kersey took a deep breath and approached the table, a little more perked up as he set down his second empty mug. I know this mission is dangerous as hell, he said, but if we don't put some sort of blockade to protect our teams coming in from the north and east, this whole thing could be over before it even begins. He glanced at the younger soldiers. I know you three don't know Corporal Bretts, but I spent several tours overseas with him as my right-hand man, saved my ass more times than I can count. You follow his lead and he'll get you through to the other side, understand? The three soldiers nodded and said, Yes, sir, in unison. A moment later, the buses outside honked their horns. Good, Kersey said, straightening up. And it would appear as though your rides are ready to go. Gear up, load out, and most importantly, be safe. He smirked playfully at Baker. Well, not you, because you're expendable. The group laughed, and Baker gave the captain a mocking thumbs up. Thanks, Cap, he drawled. Always good to be reminded of where I stand. He cracked a smile, unable to contain his amusement any longer, even if it was at his own expense. Kersey nodded. Go get em, boys. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 
Chapter 3 Brett and Baker sat in the front row of the bus, looking out into the darkness as they drove along back roads towards their difficult target. What time is it? Baker asked. The corporal checked his watch. Around 6.30, he replied. Good Lord, the private groaned. How long of a drive is this? Private Klein turned from the seat across the aisle from them. We still have another hour or so, he said, voice shaking. Baker furrowed his brow at the kid that looked barely old enough to be out of high school. Oh, yeah? he asked gently. How do you know? I... I talked with the driver earlier, Klein replied, clasping his trembling hands in his lap. He said that they had to take back roads to avoid troubles on the interstate. Baker cocked his head. You all right there, soldier? he asked. Yeah, the kid replied, nodding jerkily. I'll be okay. Bretz wasn't convinced. What's your name, soldier? he asked, hoping to engage the kid enough to calm him down. I'm Corporal Bretz. This here is Baker. Private Klein, sir, the kid replied. It's good to meet you, Klein, Bretz replied, offering a smile. So, talk to us. Why are you shaking like that? The young man's face flushed. Just, just my nerves, sir, he said, shaking his head. This is the first time I'm going to see one of those things. The older soldiers gaped at each other. How in the hell? Baker breathed, leaning forward. We're almost a month into this thing and you're in the fucking military. How have you not seen a zombie yet? Klein's flush deepened to almost purple as he struggled to contain his shaking hands. Because I'm... I'm a supply specialist, he stammered. I was already stationed in Kansas when they started sending everybody to us, and since I was good at logistics and getting stuff to where it needed to be, they kept me isolated, especially after... after most of my team fell ill. Brett swallowed hard and reached out to give the kid's shoulder a reassuring squeeze. Sorry for your loss, he said solemnly. Never easy to lose a comrade, especially when it just sneaks up on you out of nowhere. Thank you, sir. Klein replied, pursing his lips. I don't get it, though, Baker said. If you're as valuable as you say, how did you end up on this charter bus to hell? The kid looked around as if to make sure that nobody was eavesdropping. He leaned in, lowering his voice. We're short on supplies, he said quietly. Like, dangerously short. We had to abandon so much material during the evacuation that finding enough resources for this invasion was almost impossible to do. I'm here because we need to know what's usable in this town. Guns, ammo, fuel, anything and everything. He shook his head. There isn't time to fully secure the town and bring me in later. This stuff needs to get out to the front lines immediately. Baker leaned his head back against the seat. That's disheartening, he said. Why are you telling us? Brett's asked quietly. This sounds like something that could create a hell of a panic if it got out. Klein scratched the back of his neck nervously. The driver may have let slip that we were waiting on some VIPs, which is why we were at the last bus to leave, he admitted. I don't know what your mission is, but felt like it might do you some good to know what if you see something you might need. You should probably pick it up. He sat back into his seat, still trembling a bit. Baker reached into his bag and pulled out a pack of gum, holding it out to the young soldier. I'm okay, Klein replied, offering a weak smile. Thank you, though. Baker took the kid's hand and pressed the packet into his palm. 
Take two sticks and keep chewing them, long after the flavor is gone, he insisted. When shit gets real, just focus on the chewing. It'll help calm you down. I get the sense you're going to be behind the fire line, so you don't have to worry about fighting these things off. Klein swallowed and nodded, fumbling with the package and taking out two sticks of gum. As he turned to face front again, the older two soldiers leaned together. I haven't even fired the first shot in this battle yet, and they're already sending out scavengers. Baker said softly, That's not a good sign. Brett shrugged. Wouldn't be the first time we've had to scavenge to survive, he pointed out. Still, his companion said, I don't know about you, but I'm adding some more food to the shopping list. We may be out there for a long-ass time. The corporal nodded silently before turning back to the window, staring out into the darkness. He blinked and tried to put the new information out of his head, focusing on the task at hand. Chapter 4 Bretz's bus was the last one to arrive at the town, stopping on the outskirts. They parked behind three other buses, unloading men onto the grass. The sun lit up the roadway with golden hues as it peeked over the horizon. As they departed, sporadic gunfire echoed in the distance, coming from multiple directions. Bretz and Baker took a few steps away from the bus, the latter doing some stretches on the side of the road. As the rest of the soldiers filed out, several squad leaders barked out orders, moving them all into groups. As this happened, the gunfire in the distance intensified. Man, the sun is barely up and already shit is going down, Baker groaned as he pulled his elbow back over his head. Bretz shook his head. And that's just a small suburb, he replied. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we get to downtown? Since there's only six of us going in first, I'm going to assume we're going to have our choice of targets, the private said. The other men from their team headed over, setting down their gear and joining Baker in some stretches. Whole world at our fingertips, and they find the least comfortable bus to throw us on, Kent said, bending his leg and gripping his ankle. Short shook his head as he leaned over to touch his toes. Could be worse, he said. At least it wasn't a school bus. Man, what does your country ass know about school buses? Kent teased. Did you even go to school? Short raised his chin as he straightened up. I finished top of my class, thank you very much. Hess snorted as he tilted his torso to each side. Congratulations on beating the other four people in your grade. Hey now, it was more than that. Short shot back, and then hesitated as the others gave him a knowing look. I mean, not much more than that. We did hit double digits. Laughter rippled through the group and then promptly ceased as a giant man stalked towards them. Despite his white hair, he didn't look frail, his six-foot frame broad and towering over most of the other soldiers. Are you boys my VIPs? the beastly soldier asked. Bretz nodded, stepping forward and saluting. Yes, sir, I'm Corporal Bretz. All right, the man replied, nodding at him. I'm Sergeant Murphy, and I'm going to be leading you in. Hope you boys are ready to fight, because we're going in short-handed. Baker raised an eyebrow, motioning to the pack of soldiers surrounding them. There's like two hundred people standing here, he said. Not sure that qualifies as short-handed. Good to know they're still teaching counting in basic, Murphy said, sarcasm evident as he stared down at the private. 
The group chuckled at Baker's expense, save for Brett's. What's going on, Sergeant? the corporal asked, brow furrowing. Our teams to the north are, for lack of a better word, getting their asses handed to them, Murphy explained. They had to fall back to the high school and they're kind of trapped, so we have orders to send three-quarters of our men up there to break them out. Bretts nodded. So we're going in with fifty? he asked. Not including you six, that's right, Murphy replied, and pulled out a piece of paper printed from the satellite imagery. According to the sad image, our shopping center target is looking relatively bare, at least in the parking lot. We should have more than enough firepower to get you to the target so you can secure your trucks. The corporal nodded again. If you're confident, Sergeant, he said, then I'm confident. Truth be told, it's more hopeful optimism than confidence, Murphy admitted. Bretts shrugged. It's more than I had in Spokane, so I'll take it, he said. All right. If you boys want to just hang out here by the bus, I'll send a runner when we're ready to move, the sergeant instructed. Shouldn't be more than ten minutes. We'll be ready, the corporal replied. Murphy nodded firmly and headed off, barking out orders at the top of his lungs as he went. Bretts turned to his team, noting their concerned faces. Six minutes into the assault and we're already getting our asses kicked? Kent asked, shaking his head. That doesn't bode well for things. Baker took a deep breath. Based on that, I think we should pick up some extra food before getting in those trucks, he suggested. Might be weeks before they get to us at this rate. We stick to the plan as is, Bretts countered. A lot of these soldiers haven't seen much combat, if any at all, in the last month, and certainly not at the scale of this operation. Going to take them a minute to get their footing. Baker jutted out his chin. You don't actually believe that bullshit, do you? He demanded. Bretts cocked his head and gave a little shrug, not wanting to confirm or deny the private's accusation. All right, he finally conceded. If you pass something while we're going through the store, grab it, but don't be going out of your way for stuff. That's a compromise I can get behind, Mason agreed, and the group fell into a tense silence as they readied their gear. Chapter 5 Bretts and his team followed the group of fifty led by Sergeant Murphy towards the shopping centre. They stopped a block away, taking a knee by the side of the road. The centre was the first bit of civilization they'd encountered, nothing but woods and fields up until that point. Murphy pulled out binoculars and scanned ahead, focusing on the shopping centre. It was a large complex, with two main anchors running along a five-hundred-yard-long building, the back of which faced the group. Along the side to the left was a shorter building, about three hundred yards, with another major anchor. While the driveway was only about thirty yards wide, he could see about eighty zombies or so in the lot, but it was impossible from that vantage point to see the majority of the area. He motioned for Bretts to come up beside him. "'What do we have, Sergeant?' Bretts asked. Murphy tilted his head. "'We have a moderate resistance, just from what I can see,' he replied. I doubt we're lucky enough to have all of them to one side. Based on my experience, none of us are that lucky, the corporal replied dryly. The sergeant pulled out a close-up satellite image printout of the shopping area, with two areas circled. One was on the main building on the far side, and the other on a shorter building closer to them. You need six trucks, right? he asked. Bretts nodded. That's right. We got two target buildings here, 
Murphy explained, pointing to the circles. Neither of which are going to be easy runs if we're facing heavy resistance. I think in order to buy you the time you need, we're going to have to clear this lot and set up a firing line to the north in case we attract some visitors. Bretz nodded. If the keys are in the loading dock offices, he said, it shouldn't take us more than ten minutes to get loaded up and head out. And if they're not, the sergeant asked, cocking his head. The corporal wrinkled his nose. Could be thirty minutes or more. No matter how much time you need, we're going to get it for you, Murphy said firmly, and let out a soft whistle, pointing to some men close by. Four soldiers rushed over and took a knee in front of him. We gotta buy the corporal here some time, the sergeant explained. Need two of you on each of the main buildings. Get up there, give us the lay of the land, then start picking them off. You got it? All four men made emphatic noises in the affirmative. Good, Murphy said. Get going. The four men took off quickly down the road, moving faster than a jog. The sergeant reached into his bag and pulled out a second set of binoculars, handing them to Bretts. The corporal took them with a brow furrowed. You carry two sets of these? he asked. My orders said I had to escort some VIPs, Murphy replied with a little shrug. Just wanted to make sure I didn't disappoint. Bretts smiled and nodded, then lifted the binoculars so he could watch the foursome approach the shopping centre. When the boys got close, the teams broke off into groups of two, focusing on their targets. The duo to the left, heading towards the smaller building, took cover behind a few cars parked on the side of the building. There were some zombies wandering about on the other side of the vehicles, looking around suspiciously at the noise of the footsteps. The corporal watched the two men draw knives ready to strike. One of them picked up a rock and heaved it over the enemy's head, and it smacked into the side of the wall. Smart move, Bretts murmured as the soldiers leapt over the hood of the car, dispatching the distracted zombies from behind with ease. As soon as the duo disappeared behind the store, panicked gunfire erupted from the other side. What are those chuckle fucks doing? Murphy snapped, and they frantically searched for the other pair of soldiers. Bretts finally found them as the gunfire grew more intense. Got them, halfway down the building. A horde of zombies swarmed around a spot on the ground, presumably where one of the men had been standing. One of the creatures' his heads exploded, and then the gunfire went silent. Bretz's mouth went dry and he scanned for the other soldier, finally spotting him climbing up onto a dumpster and collapsing on top of it. It was clear that the soldier was clutching a wound on his neck. Bretz quickly pocketed the binoculars and readied his rifle. Sergeant, we have to move now, he said. We're about to have at least two runners. Murphy nodded, the implications not lost on him. Runners were much harder to deal with, and given that they were already short-handed, they'd need to be dealt with fast. You're staying put, Corporal, he said firmly. My orders are to deliver you safely, and I intend on doing just that. He motioned to six nearby soldiers, waving them forward. Main building, eliminate all targets with extreme prejudice, including our injured. One of the soldiers' eyes widened. Sir? Did I fucking stutter? the sergeant demanded. Those are the orders from the top. Quick death for those who are bitten. And when it's clear, two of you get topside for diversions. Now move out! The group of six sprinted towards the dead and injured, guns raised and ready for action. As they made the turn on the back of the building, Bretts and Murphy watched through the binoculars as they formed a firing line. The soldiers fired quickly, striking down several zombies in short order. They mowed down the remaining ghouls and then hesitated. Follow your damn orders, the sergeant muttered. 
They will, Bretz assured him. It's not easy what's being asked of them. Murphy's brow furrowed and he lowered his binoculars. You've been in their shoes, I take it? he asked. The corporal shook his head. Not pre-turn, but shortly after, he replied. Even with my life in danger, it took longer than I would care to admit. Several quick shots rang out, and they looked to see the job was done. Hope they've squirreled away some shrinks, Murphy said, because a lot of us are going to need some time on the couch when this is through. Brett shrugged. Well, we are invading Seattle, he pointed out. Maybe Fraser Crane survived. One can only hope, the sergeant replied with a dark chuckle. They watched two of the men climb up onto the roof and scanned the other four coming back to the formation. They looked at the other building and spotted one of the men waving at them, prompting Murphy to pull out his walkie-talkie. "'What you got for me, soldier?' the sergeant asked. "'Sarge,' the soldier's voice came back hesitantly. "'I don't know how we're handling this.' Murphy sighed. "'Well, spit it out, son,' he barked. "'What are we dealing with?' "'There's probably a thousand of those things in the parking lot,' the soldier replied. And there's another couple hundred up the road about half a mile. The sergeant lowered the radio, shaking his head and rubbing the bridge of his nose. He finally lifted it and held it to his mouth. Stand by, he said firmly. Yes, sir, the soldier replied. Murphy turned to his VIPs. Well, if the other squad wasn't shitting the bed, we could clear this out no problem. We can still clear it out, Bretz assured him. You got the six of us in addition to your crew. If we're smart, we can do it. The sergeant shook his head. My orders are to get you to the trucks, and that's what I'm going to do. With all due respect, sergeant, the corporal declared, as soon as we fire up those trucks, we're going to be sitting ducks, and those back alleys are narrow. If we don't get a handle on the situation before we start those up, the mission is over before it begins. Murphy pulled out his map. You're right, he conceded as he spread it open. So, we have a thousand zombies in the lot and more up the road there. As soon as we start shooting, everything is going to converge on us, Bretz pointed out. The sergeant nodded. The shamblers are slow, he said. So we got, what, ten minutes before the wands on the road join the battle? About that, the corporal agreed. So we need to clear the lot and get men over to the other side to fend them off, Murphy mused. Bretz nodded thoughtfully. I think if we send a few more men to the smaller building, they can provide enough of a distraction to buy us a little more time, he suggested. Agreed the sergeant replied. And if I'm overstepping my bounds, sergeant, just say so, Brett said firmly. This is your operation. We're just along for the ride. Murphy shook his head emphatically. Your input is welcome, corporal, he replied, especially after your actions in Spokane. Brett nodded. So, how do you want to play it? We get a few more men on top of each building and pull as many of those things to the far end as we can, Murphy explained. Put the bulk of our force straight ahead in the driveway. Use the buildings as buffers. Brett's handed back the binoculars. I would also leave a few men on either side covering the back of the buildings, he suggested. These things are sneaky, and the last thing we need is to be ambushed. Agreed, the sergeant said, putting the binoculars back into his pack. I think once we set up the perimeter at the entrance, our focus should be clearing out the front of the main building, Brett's added. That will give us more real estate to deal with the reinforcements. Murphy cocked his head. But if there's only a couple hundred coming up, wouldn't it make more sense to clear them out first? He asked. There are only a couple hundred that they can see, Bretz warned. The sergeant nodded thoughtfully. Valid point. He whistled and pointed to six soldiers nearby. Get up to the line, three on each building, he instructed. 
Set up at the far end and start drawing them to you. Go! They tore off across the parking lot, and then Murphy crossed his arms, turning back to Brett's. Okay, Corporal, he said firmly. Here's the deal. You stay in the center of the action with me. He pointed a finger at him. Understood? Brett's nodded. Understood, Sergeant. Let's move out, then, Murphy said, raising a hand and whirling it above his head. Those things aren't going to kill themselves. Chapter 6 The gunshots from the rooftops went off at a steady clip. As Murphy led his team towards the shopping centre entrance, they stared at the effects of it. Most of the zombies that had been visible from their vantage point had since wandered in either direction, headed towards the far end of the buildings. This bought the group some significant space, fifty yards at a minimum, to set up their firing line. They set up in a semicircle, no more than a yard apart from one another. One group kneels with the back row standing. They used the walls of the building for protection, fanning out to cover the entirety of the road. Okay, man, listen up, Murphy said. We're about to unleash hell on these things, and they're going to try to do the same to us. When you feel comfortable taking the shot, do so, but not before. The last thing we need today is to run out of ammo. Everybody ready? The soldiers murmured in the affirmative, and the sergeant gave a sharp nod. Let's get it started then, he said, and aimed towards a zombie fifty yards away, shambling towards the crowd at the far end of the smaller building. As he zeroed in on it, he squeezed the trigger, the head exploding in a spectacular fashion. Soon after, several more soldiers joined in, firing off well-placed shots that dropped an entire line of zombies in both directions. The noise drew the attention of a lot of creatures on the fringes of the main horde, who began working their way back towards them. The firing stretched out over the next few minutes, more soldiers joining in as the zombies got closer to their range. At twenty-five yards, the ghouls were thick, hundreds of them piled together shoulder to shoulder, swarming over their fallen, all headed towards a fresh soldier buffet. The fire on the line became more erratic as some of the men began to panic at the closeness of the undead. Three round bursts!' Murphy yelled, and the soldiers switched to a barrage of bullets, unleashing bursts of shots that ripped through the ghouls. While the fire rate increased, the additional zombies falling weren't enough to stem the tide. Brett's glanced back as he heard gunfire coming from the teams guarding the back alleys. Baker, on me, he cried, and the two broke from the line, running back to the alley behind the main building. They found two soldiers standing there, frantically firing towards a group of monsters several dozen large. The two men stepped up and immediately opened fire, sending single-placed rounds downrange, dropping zombies one after the other. There's too many of them, one of the soldiers cried. Brett's shook his head. There were too many of them, and they were moving too quickly. As the other three men continued firing, he spotted a rolling full-sized dumpster about ten yards away, right in the middle of the no-man's land between the zombies and the soldiers. Without hesitation, he broke from the line, sprinting for the dumpster. It took Baker a moment to realize what was going on, and then he broke rank and joined him. Come the fuck on! he yelled over his shoulder, and the two other tore after him. The trio helped Brett's move the large metal dumpster into the centre of the alleyway, covering about a quarter of the area. Give me a boost, the corporal barked, and Baker linked his fingers together to make a step out of his hands. He propelled Brett's up on top of the canister, and the corporal immediately opened fire, flipping into three-round burst mode and unloading on the enemy. The other three men set up on the sides of the trash can, opening fire as well. 
The center of the zombie mass pressed up against the canister, moving it slightly back. Bretz widened his stance to keep his balance, still firing mostly at the zombies on the fringes, making sure they didn't make it around the barricade. Once the threat of zombies making it around was gone, he focused on the creatures at his feet, making short work of them. When the soldiers stopped firing, the gunfire coming from the main line was intensifying, with a lot of panic fire. Bretz hopped down and then opened the lid of the dumpster, finding it mostly empty. He contemplated for a few moments and then glanced at Baker. What do you say, buddy? he said, tilting his head. You want to go for a ride? Baker's brow furrowed in confusion, before his eyes widened at the insinuation. He laughed and then shook his head. Okay, but this is your one creative maneuver for this entire mission, he said playfully. Bretz chuckled. Fair enough, now hop in. The two of them hopped into the dumpster and the two other soldiers stared at them blankly. What? One of them trailed off. What are you doing? Bretz pointed at them. You two are going to push us through the firing line, he said. Get us as far out into the parking lot as you can. The soldiers glanced at each other nervously. Do it now, that's an order, Bretz demanded, and when they still hesitated, he slammed his fist down on the edge of the dumpster. Do it now, before their position is overrun. The two soldiers snapped out of their doubt and immediately began pushing the trash can. Baker knelt down, pulling the lid over himself. Bretz remained standing, holding up his side. As they grew closer, the corporal yelled and fired twice into the crowd of zombies ahead, which were now within ten yards of the firing line. Murphy whirled around and spotted the rolling force headed their way. Clear the path, he bellowed, and grabbed a few of his comrades to pull them out of the way. The soldiers scrambled to make a hole for the dumpster to fit through, and Bretz lowered his lid, taking a knee. The duo pushing them gave a great heave as they pushed just past the line, stopping just a few yards shy of the front edge of the horde before retreating. The heavy metal container rolled fast, slamming into zombies and knocking several of them down and out of the way. As soon as their momentum stopped, about five yards into the horde, Baker and Bretz popped up, throwing open their lids. They took aim and opened fire in three-round bursts, sweeping the front line of zombies quickly at point-blank range, spraying blood and rotted skull fragments everywhere. They pinned themselves at the back of the dumpster, using the lids as cover since the metal had landed on top of zombies, preventing them from being able to reach up and grab the soldiers. They switched to single fire, taking deliberate aim and clearing out monsters one by one. Murphy nodded as the bulk of the zombies that had been headed towards them turned their attention towards Bretts and Baker, giving the firing line a little bit of breathing room. Several of the men stared, mouths agape, amazed at the sight. "'What are you waiting on them for?' the sergeant barked. "'Start shooting!' Everybody took up arms again, firing into the mass taking special care to aim clear of the two men in the dumpster. The added cushion allowed the soldiers to get a handle on the situation. The battle was swift but brutal. With the bulk of the horde distracted, the firing line was able to inch forward, switching to single fire and clearing out the creatures with precision. Within several minutes all the creatures in the main horde lay motionless on the ground, leaving only a nominal force in front of the anchor stores at the far ends of either building. Murphy immediately began pointing at groups of soldiers. You men, main building, he bellowed. Rest of you, clear out the stragglers and then set up a fire line on the road. A chorus of, yes sir, erupted before the majority of the soldiers ran off, leaving only Brett's team with the sergeant. Murphy stalked towards the dumpster and crossed his arms. That was a hell of a maneuver there, corporal, he said dryly. Appreciate it, sergeant. 
Brett replied as he clambered out of the bin, reaching in to help Baker out. That wasn't a compliment, Murphy snapped, and then took a deep breath. Okay, it was, he admitted, and then pointed a finger at him accusingly. But I'm not exactly thrilled with you at the moment. Brett shook his head. Sorry, Sarge, didn't really have time to get the okay. That was some quick thinking, I'll give you that, Murphy replied. Saved us from getting overrun. The corporal shrugged. I'm just glad it worked. Me too, the sergeant admitted, and then he raised his chin. But from now on, until I personally place you inside one of those big rigs, you are not to leave my side. Is that clear? Bretts nodded. Yes, sir, he said firmly. Good, Murphy replied, satisfied. Now, let's go see about getting you a ride. Chapter 7 with the last remnants of the zombie mass laying dead in front of the store, Murphy had a few men pry open the doors before carefully walking inside. The air was stagnant, the building having been sealed shut for nearly a month. Brett's turned to head for the back, but Murphy put a hand on his arm. Not leaving my side, remember? he asked, and the corporal nodded, halting. The sergeant let out a deafening whistle, and the team remained silent, listening for movement or moans. When nothing happened, Murphy motioned for the team to follow him and a trio of soldiers leading them through the store. They made their way to the back, the other soldiers doing a quick sweep of the back storeroom, finding nothing. It's clear, sir, one of them reported. Murphy nodded. Good. Hang tight for a minute, he said, and then turned to Brett's. We've gotten you this far. What do you need from us? The corporal motioned for Baker and Mason to investigate the back office, hoping that they would find some keys. Hold that thought, Sergeant, he said, and then pointed at Kent, motioning for him to check out the back. Kent jogged over to the door and peered out. Got four trucks out back here, Corporal, he said. And what do you know, we have keys, Mason declared as he and Baker emerged from the office. Brett raised an eyebrow. Four sets? Four sets, Mason replied with a grin, holding up the rings and jingling them. The Corporal pointed to the door. Get out there and get the truck started up, he instructed. Make sure there's gas, at least a quarter tank. Mason tossed two sets to Baker and they headed outside with Kent and Short to get things up and going. For starters, we still need two more trucks, Bretts said, turning back to the sergeant. Murphy pointed to one of his three soldiers. You, take a few men from outside. Go to the other store across the lot and make sure the route is clear, he said. If you can locate the keys, even better. Before you go, Hess piped up. The soldier stopped and everyone turned to Hess, surprised at the interruption. Yes, Private? Murphy asked. Hess looked to Bretts. Corporal, we had talked about the necessity of acquiring more provisions, he said. I think we'll be okay, Private, Bretts replied. Hess took a deep breath. If it's all the same, sir, he said politely, wouldn't you rather change that thing to a no? Bretts thought for a moment and then finally nodded. He's right, he admitted, turning to Murphy. We could use some more food and water. We'll take care of it, the sergeant replied and motioned to the departing soldier. Before you go, make sure each truck has a package of bottled water, as well as a large assortment of goods. Focus on trail mix, jerky, and other long-lasting proteins. Hess grinned. If they have any, perhaps some chocolate tasty cakes? Both Bretts and Murphy cracked a smile. Well, you heard the man, the sergeant said. Chocolate tasty cakes. 
The soldier nodded and headed out as Mason jogged back inside. Corporal, he said. We got all four running and there's plenty of fuel. Brett smiled. Good deal, he said. Make sure the truck containers are secure, and there's nothing in the back that's going to trip us up. Once that's done, we'll go inspect the trucks at the other side. Mason gave a thumbs up and headed back outside. Murphy let out a low whistle. So, you boys are really headed into the shit, aren't you? He asked. That we are, Sarge, Bretts confirmed. That we are. Based on what I've heard about you, and witnessed with my own eyes, Murphy said, those dead fuckers ain't going to know what hit em. The corporal barked a laugh. Let's hope you're right, Sergeant. Chapter 8 The trucks were all lined up in the shopping center parking lot, in an area clear of zombie corpses. Bretts fired up his truck before looking out the window at Murphy, who gave him a thumbs up. You have everything you need, Corporal? the sergeant asked. Bretts nodded. Food, water, and weapons, he replied. Everything a growing boy needs. My men said they threw in some books as well, Murphy replied. Give you something to do while you wait on us to come get you. The corporal looked over into the bag on the passenger seat that had been left for him. He fumbled through and poured a collection of snacks before finding a stack of books. He picked one up, chuckling at the shirtless, muscled man on the cover holding a woman at a dramatic angle. The Rose and the Rapier, he read, shaking his head. Well, it will be better than listening to zombie moans. Murphy grinned. You boys be safe out there, he said, and I expect a full book report when I get you. He smirked. That's an order. You'll have it, sir. Bretts replied with a laugh. You watch yourself out there. The sergeant raised a fist. We have your trash can maneuver, he declared, so nothing can stop us now. The corporal nodded and then pulled down on the truck horn a few times, letting out a deafening bleat. He picked up the CB radio and raised it to his lips. All right, everybody on calm? he asked, and waited as one by one the five other soldiers checked in. Okay, here's what we're doing, he began. Heading out to the north, the highway is about half a mile up. Hit the outbound lane and haul ass. I want a hundred yards between every truck when we're out there. We have enough on our plates without risking an accident. Everybody clear? A chorus of, Yes, sir, came through the speaker, and he nodded. Let's move then, he said, and replaced the receiver to its holder. He rolled out, the rest of the squad falling in place behind him. The drive to the highway was short, with the road mostly clear. Bretts looked out to the side at another shopping area, watching Murphy's men get set up on the rooftops, squeezing off shots to pull the crowd towards them. Bretts led the convoy up to the highway, making the turn onto the ramp, gaining speed as it went up. The road on the outer loop itself was mostly clear, with the occasional car left abandoned on the side of the road. The traffic on the opposite side was a bit more dense, with several people apparently trying to leave town as the mess had started and failing. That's a hell of a rush hour over there, Kent crackled through the radio. We don't have these sort of issues where I come from, Short piped up. Kent laughed. What is rush hour like in your hick town there, bud? Only time we ever had traffic was when there was a cow break, Short replied. What in the hell is a cow break? Baker cut in. There's hundreds of miles worth of fencing around the farms, and it wasn't always the sturdiest stuff, Short explained. 
Those cows were tricky, always finding a way out, so it was a daily occurrence to see them wandering around the streets. Kent barked a laugh. Man, that is some countrified bullshit right there, he drawled. I'm up in Chicago dealing with gangs, neighborhood pit bulls, rush hour traffic, lake effect snow, and a thousand other things. Meanwhile, you're getting outsmarted by cows? How in the hell did we end up in the same unit? I don't know, Short admitted. Military brass probably saw you come from a town that thinks pizza is supposed to resemble a pie and thought you had a mental defect. Had to put you in with someone with a functioning brain. Kent snorted. Don't think I won't run your ass off the road for bad-mouthing deep-dish pizza, he quipped. There was a collection of laughter over the CB, and Brett's cut back in. We're going to have to table this debate, he said, because we're approaching Overlake. The group calmed down, the seriousness of their mission taking hold once again. The highway made a large turn around a bend, leading to Overlake, the next large suburb they'd have to pass through. As Brett's took the gentle curve, the road was packed full of zombies and cars up ahead, looking like a major pileup completely blocking the path. He slammed on the brakes, prompting everyone behind him to do the same. The screeching tires were loud, squealing as the convoy suddenly came to a halt. A loud crash echoed from the back and the corporal's eyes widened. What in the hell was that? he demanded through the radio. Heston fucked it up, Kent drawled. "'Wasn't my fault you slammed on the brakes in the middle of a goddamn curve!' Hess exclaimed frantically. "'Couldn't see you in time!' Bretz rubbed the bridge of his nose. "'What's the damage?' he asked. There was a loud wheeze of an engine trying to start, and then nothing. "'It's dead,' Hess replied. Ten minutes into the drive and we're already fucked,' Baker drawled. "'Fantastic!' "'Again, not my fault,' Hess said through his teeth. Calm yourself, Baker shot back. I wasn't assigning blame, just stating a fact. Mason cut through. Brett's down the road. The corporal looked up the highway and saw the horde of zombies a few hundred yards away had started moving in their direction, shambling towards all the noise. Hess, grab your gear and get in the next truck, Brett's commanded. We can't stay here. On the move, the private replied. Brett started down the highway chewing over what their next move should be. There was an off-ramp nearby with another shopping centre shortly past it. He stared at it, contemplating, and then finally raised the CB to his lips again. Okay, here's what we're doing, he said. We're taking the off-ramp and we're making an unscheduled pit stop at that shopping centre. Brett, you know I'll follow you anywhere, Baker said slowly. But you think that's wise? We still have five trucks. The corporal furrowed his brow. And we need six he replied firmly. If we don't pull this off, our troops to the north are going to have way more to deal with than they can potentially handle. Yeah, Baker trailed off, sounding nervous but knowing Brett's was right. I'm with you. Let's do it. Got Hess aboard and ready to go, Mason cut in. How are we doing this? Brett's took a deep breath. We're just going straight for the back door, he replied. Mason, can you and Hess handle it, or do you need backup? Should be a quick hit and run, Mason replied easily. Won't be any big deal. The corporal nodded. Okay, the rest of you follow me, he instructed. We're going to spread out over the parking lot and hopefully keep the crowds around us down. Let's go. He popped the truck back into gear and headed out, with the rest of the trucks behind him. They took the off-ramp, rolling into a small neighborhood. The side streets were dirty and deserted, 
with some stragglers and cars dotting the road. Brett's pulled the truck into the shopping centre lot, a small centre with a single anchor and some side stores. There were about a hundred zombies in the lot, all of which started moving towards him. Okay, pick your corner and go, he instructed through the radio. And Mason, don't take too much time. That horde on the interstate is pretty thick. If they get down here, we're in trouble. In and out, Corporal, Mason replied firmly. No problem. Brett's watched the trucks move to the opposite ends of the lot, drawing the creatures in all directions. Come on, Mason, Brett's muttered to himself. Let's make this quick. The private pulled his truck down the back alley, rolling over a couple of zombies as he went. There was a satisfying pop as the tire crushed a rotted head. Ah, that sound never gets old, he declared, shooting Hess a grin. His passenger shrugged. I suppose we have to enjoy the little things in life. These days it's about as good as it gets, Mason replied. He stopped at the back loading dock of the store, where there were two trucks backed up. There were four zombies wandering around near the back door. Just leave the truck running, Hess suggested. We're not going to be long. Mason checked the gas gauge, seeing there was still three quarters of a tank. He nodded in agreement and hopped out. The soldiers hit the ground, assault rifles at the ready, and opened fire on the zombies by the door, quickly taking them out with precise headshots. They rushed to the back door, and Mason yanked on it, finding it locked. Shit, no good, he growled. Hess looked down the loading dock and saw that one of the bay doors was open about two feet, enough to provide the workers with some airflow. Come on, we got a way in, he said, and waved for his partner to follow him. The two men hopped to the ground and rushed over to the opening, Hess taking out a flashlight and shining it inside. There were several sets of feet in his line of vision, the closest being five yards away. Hess went silent, pointing it out to Mason before motioning for him to boost him up. Mason laced his fingers together, giving his companion a heave up onto the dock. Hess drew his knife and slammed it into the back of the closest ghoul, catching its body as it fell and gently setting it down on the concrete to avoid making noise. He looked around, seeing the other zombies were easily fifteen to twenty yards away and hadn't noticed them yet. He quickly went back over to the loading dock and laid down to pull Mason up after him. The duo readied their knives, wanting to remain stealthy and headed towards the back office. There were a trio of creatures by the office door that would need to be dealt with, so Hess slid forward and stabbed one in the back of the head, catching the body as he jammed the blade into the temple of the second one. In the darkness, he missed, glancing off of the creature's forehead and enraging it. It let out a furious moan and reached for him, and Hess dropped his charge, stabbing the hungry zombie in the eye socket. Mason finished off the third ghoul, but unfortunately the noise was enough to alert the rest of the zombies in the room. They turned in unison, moaning and shambling for the soldiers. Find the keys! Hess barked. Mason rushed into the office, pulling out his flashlight. Hess raised his rifle and flashlight, finding targets and shooting them one by one between the eyes. After he squeezed off half a dozen rounds, dropping that many ghouls, the swinging doors to the store flew open under a fresh swarm. He froze in terror at the sight of dozens of monsters pouring into the back room. Hurry up, he yelled. We're about to get overrun. Mason frantically looked for the keys, throwing stuff in every direction, hoping to uncover them. Meanwhile, Hess opened fire, carefully placing shots, spreading out the carnage in hopes that the ones behind the fallen corpses would trip. His fire intensified as more creatures came in and grew closer and closer, within fifteen feet away. 
Mason! he screamed. His companion opened the last drawer on the desk, relieved to find two sets of keys, and grabbed them both. Got em! he cried, bursting out of the office. Let's go! He shoved the keys in his pocket and raised his rifle, joining his companion in shooting to buy them time to get to the door. Mason hit the release bar on the door behind him, but it didn't open. He shoved it a few more times, but the door wouldn't budge. We're stuck, he cried. Hess shot several more zombies before dropping his empty mag and reloading. He threw himself into the release bar, but the door wouldn't move. He looked down and saw a slot for a key. They must have deadbolted it, he said. Both soldiers fired off a few more shots as the zombies reached ten yards of them, the numbers still in the couple of dozen. Out the loading dock door, Mason cried, and they inched forward continuously shooting as they made their way to the loading dock. As they grew closer, they saw that several zombies had been attracted to the noise and were now pressed against the opening. Fuck, what do we do now? he demanded. Hess clenched his jaw and shook his head. We have to go through them. What? Mason cried. Get to the front of the store and we'll circle around the back, Hess explained. They squeezed off a few more shots, dropping two more zombies. Focus your fire on the center of the horde, drop as many as you can and haul ass. Mason swallowed hard, stealing his gaze, and the two men raised their weapons, flashlights illuminating the front line of the two dozen deep horde quickly closing in on them in the corner. Now! Hess yelled, and they opened up in three round bursts, sending as much lead down range as they could. The bullets ripped through the front edge of the mass, dropping several of them and cutting others to shreds, knocking them down. Hess led them forward, both shooting rapidly as they went, clearing a path through the center of the group. When they got halfway to the door, his gun clicked empty. He clutched it tightly, extending it forward and using it as a battering ram. He caught one ghoul in the chest, driving it backwards into the others while Mason fired several more shots into the group. We're almost to the door, Hess yelled as the zombie he was pushing grabbed his arm, frantically snapping with its teeth to get a bite. He flung it side to side in an attempt to avoid the teeth. Mason rushed up, lowering his shoulder and bashing into the last group of two zombies by the door. The impact sent them staggering backwards through the door and into the store. His momentum carried him forward through the door, and he stumbled before catching himself and whirling around. Hess finally managed to throw his attacker to the ground and smash its face in turning just in time to see a zombie leap on Mason's back, sending him face first into the linoleum. Hess drew his handgun and fired at the two zombies converging on his partner's position, tearing towards his fallen friend. He grabbed it by the back of the shirt, but the ghoul managed to bite into Mason's shoulder, taking a chunk of him with it as Hess ripped it from his friend's back. He put the barrel to its head, watching it savor every bite of his companion's flesh before he blew its brain apart. Hess looked down at Mason to help him up, but the blood poured out of him, the bite close enough to his neck that he struggled for breath, gurgling blood. Hess scrubbed his hands down his face, brain still trying to process what had just happened. Moans erupted from the loading dock, and he shook his head, snapping back to the business at the looming threat of death. I'm sorry, man, he said, and swallowed hard before placing the barrel of his handgun on the back of Mason's head and pulling the trigger setting him to rest. It was an undignified death and Hess couldn't fight off the guilt washing over him, but he had no choice. He couldn't allow Mason to suffer at the hands of the zombies still here, and he couldn't risk a runner tearing free. He dug into his fallen friend's pocket and grabbed the keys, slipping them into his own, and readied his assault rifle. 
slamming in a fresh mag and holding up his flashlight to illuminate any target he could find. He moved swiftly through the store, coming around the corner into the center aisle and seeing several ghouls milling about. His first instinct was to light them up, to make them pay for the death of his partner, but he thought better of it. The less noise and wastage of bullets, the better. One of the creatures turned towards him, attracted by the light, and began shambling in his direction. Hess let out a huff and kept moving. He moved through the front half of the store, gun at the ready, but pocketed the flashlight as he got closer to the front glass with the sunlight pouring in. There were a dozen or so zombies near the registers, and another few dozen just outside the front door, attracted to the rumbling of the truck just to the left of the entrance. Hess tried to plot a course through, but none of them looked viable as there were just too many zombies by the front entrance. I have to signal whoever is driving to get out of the way, he thought, and looked around. There was a register just across from him with two ghouls standing next to it. If I can get over there, I might be able to get his attention. He drew his knife, knowing he'd have to be quiet about it. He waited for the zombies to look in the other direction and then darted out. He rushed over and slammed his blade into the back of one monster's skull before immediately stabbing the second one through the forehead. He quickly dropped to his knee, hiding behind the register for cover. He glanced out the window, seeing Kent sitting in the driver's seat of the truck, just hanging out. Hess pulled out his flashlight and aimed it directly at Kent's face, clicking it on and off two times rapidly. His charge outside blinked, confused, looking around. Hess sighed and did it again finally gaining the soldier's attention. Kent looked straight through the window and saw Hess crouched there. When their eyes locked, Hess motioned for him to move the truck out of the way. He received a thumbs up and Kent popped the truck into gear and moved back, the congregating zombie slowly ambling after him. Unfortunately for Hess, the flicking light attracted several of the zombies at the front area of the store, and they wandered towards him, trying to find the source. He remained under cover his knife ready in case one of them got too close. He watched as a couple of them wandered by the top of his checkout aisle, moaning, seeming to know that something was close. He looked back towards the front, seeing only a few zombies inside the store and ten or so just outside of it, although a bit more spread out than before. As he went back into hiding, he inadvertently elbowed a travel mug that was underneath the register, sending it clattering to the ground. Damn it, he muttered as moaning erupted all around him. He sheathed his knife and readied his assault rifle. Here goes nothing. He popped up from cover, aiming at the nearest creature and firing, dropping it fast as he turned and tore for the front of the store. Zombies in front of him turned to screech at him, arms outstretched. He stopped and fired two quick headshots and then leapt over the fallen, skidding into the front entryway and slamming the double doors behind him. Ten zombies pressed up against the row of glass doors at the front, shoulder to shoulder, and smacking on the glass. Hess raised his rifle, aiming at the first ghoul's head and swapping to rapid-fire mode. He took a deep breath and then pulled the trigger, running down the line, taking out a line of them in a matter of seconds. As the corpses hit the pavement, he pushed his way out of the store and into the parking lot. As soon as he was out, somebody blared their horn, and he turned to see Kent's truck about forty yards away, the bulk of the zombies on the passenger side. Hess broke into a sprint, running as hard as he could for the truck. As he approached, Kent flung open the door and started firing from the driver's seat, dropping the few zombies that were directly in his running companion's path. Come on, man, move it, he yelled. Hess reached the truck and clambered up, crawling over the driver's seat and collapsing on the other side of the cab, chest heaving. 
Kent slammed the door and turned to him wide-eyed. God damn, dude, you okay? he asked. Hess just nodded, still breathing heavily. Well, let's get Mason and get the fuck out of here, Kent said. Hess closed his eyes, pressing his palms into them momentarily before clenching his jaw, staring helplessly at his friend. Is he? Kent trailed off, reading the pain on his face. Hess simply nodded, unable to form words at the moment. His friend swallowed hard. Do you want to tell Bretts? Hess shook his head and finally admitted, I could use a minute. Kent reached out and gave his shoulder a reassuring squeeze and then picked up the CB radio. Corporal? What is it? Bretts came back immediately. Looked like you had some issues over there. Kent took a deep breath. It's Hess, sir. He had to come out the front of the store, he replied reluctantly. Mason. Mason wasn't with him. There were a few moments of stunned silence. What the fuck do you mean Mason isn't with him? Baker suddenly burst over the line. What the fuck did he do to him? Kent swallowed as Hess winced from the passenger seat. He didn't do anything to him. Bullshit, Baker yelled. This should have been easy, in and out. What the fuck? Put Hess on, Brett said, solemn and low. Kent chewed his lip for a moment. Sir, I... Put Hess on, Brett said firmly. The private in question held out his hand for the receiver, not meeting Kent's gaze as he placed it in his palm. Hess here, he said hoarsely. Is he at rest? Brett asked. Hess rubbed one of his eyes, blinking rapidly after. Yes, sir. Okay, the corporal replied calmly. Is his truck still running? Hess nodded shakily. Yes, sir. Kent, take him around to pick it up, Brett said. We've got to get moving. Baker immediately cut into the line. Bretts, we have to— We have to keep moving, the corporal said firmly. We have to keep moving. The devastated soldier let out another frustrated yell before the line went silent. Brett sat in his cab, imagining Baker throwing the radio across his cab in anger. He knew how he felt. His chest ached with the loss of a good soldier, of a friend. As he watched Kent drive around to the back, he rubbed his forehead. He'd decided to make this stop because they needed a sixth truck. Now Mason was dead, and they were down a driver, and they still didn't have a sixth truck. They'd have to complete the mission without the items they needed, and without one of their own. Hess has been dropped off, and he's ready to go, Kent's voice came through the radio. The corporal shook off his cloud of what-ifs and guilt, knowing he needed to focus on the mission and get the rest of them safely to the end of the line. Good, he said into the receiver. Follow me out and stay close. We're going to be on surface streets for a while until the interstate clears out. Yes, sir, Kent replied, and the line clicked off. Bretts popped the truck into gear and started moving, his heart heavy. He took a deep, steadying breath and forced his mind to focus on the mission. Chapter 9 Bretts led the convoy down the highway towards the I-405 crossing, a major interchange where the highway crossed underneath the interstate. It was a couple miles ahead and he took it slow, only driving about twenty miles per hour. He struggled to focus on the task, his thoughts about his decision getting Mason killed pulsing in his brain. There was some light banter over the CB between the men, but it was just a low hum in the background his worries tuning it out. 
There were a few zombies in the road, which he drifted over a bit to clip, not wanting to damage the engine, but wanting to cause a little bit of pain just for his own personal satisfaction. He continued to zone out, but finally snapped into focus as his name repeated on the radio. Bretz, Bretz, Baker demanded. You gonna answer me, or am I gonna have to ram you? The corporal blinked a few times and then picked up the receiver, raising it to his lips. What is it? he asked hoarsely. Fucking finally, man, Baker snapped. Man, that's the fifth zombie you've made a point to hit. You need to cut that shit out. We've got enough going on without you losing it. I'm fine, Bretz replied, voice a low monotone. Just making sure my steering still works. Baker scoffed. Bullshit, he replied. I know you're upset. God knows we all are. But you need to keep it together, man. We still got a lot to get done today. Bretz paused, letting the words wash over him and sink in. Thanks, man, he finally said. He knew his friend was right. Any time, Baker replied. Bretz began to slow down as they approached the interchange. He came to a full stop half a mile from the bridge, Baker pulling up beside him and the other three trucks stopping behind them. Holy shit, Baker breathed through the radio. How are we getting through that? There were easily a thousand zombies on the road in front of them, with even more on top of the bridge on the interstate. They were densely packed, shoulder to shoulder, with an untold number behind them on the other side. Not trying to be a Debbie Downer or anything, Kent drawled, but no way in hell we're pushing through that. Is there another way around? Baker asked. Kent paused and then came in. According to the map, the only other route is on the interstate, and it isn't looking much better. Corporal, what are we doing? Short asked. Brett stared at the horde, a deep sigh deflating his chest. This day kept getting worse and worse. I think it's time to call in air support, he finally said. Fuck yeah, Kent bellowed. Light them motherfuckers up! All right, boys, Baker said. Let's back it up a bit. Don't want to catch some blowback. As the trucks began to move in reverse, Bretz pulled out his satellite phone, dialing up Captain Kersey. It rang for several minutes, and then David answered. Captain Kersey's office, he greeted. Bretz took a deep breath. David, it's Corporal Bretz, he replied. We need our air support. What's your location? David asked. The corporal swallowed hard. 405 interchange. There was a moment of silence, and then the communications expert replied. That's going to be a no-go, sir. Orders are to protect major infrastructure. There's a thousand zombies underneath the bridge and even more on top, Bretz insisted firmly. Either we get air support to come in and clear it out or this mission is over right here and now. Hold, please, David replied, and there was a click as the line went quiet. After a few moments, Kersey came in. Sounds like you're in a bit of a pickle there, Corporal, Bretz sighed. That's an understatement, Cap, he replied. We need that air support if this mission is going to be successful. David filled me in, Kersey explained. But tell me, how tall is that bridge? Bretz cocked his head, staring at the bridge. Twenty feet, give or take. How's the road looking in front of it? The captain asked. The corporal shrugged. Surprisingly clear, he admitted. Only a handful of cars, and most of those are on the other side of the road. I think we can work with that, Kersey replied, and then his voice muffled. David, dispatch two choppers to Brett's location. He moved his hand and clearly said into the phone. All right, you got incoming that will be there within a half an hour, he said. 
Just make sure you're far enough back. Bretz nodded, rubbing his forehead. Way ahead of you, Cap. Kersey paused and then asked, Everything going okay out there? Mostly, the corporal replied, grimacing. Had some issues at the last stop and were down to five trucks. His voice stayed monotone, not betraying any emotion. Okay, the captain replied easily. If there's a safe spot to pick up a sixth, you have clearance to do so. Bretz clenched his fist, swallowing hard, trying to squash his emotions to stay focused. Won't do any good, he replied thickly. Mason's not with us anymore. There was a long silence as Kersey processed the information that his friend was dead. Understood, Corporal, he finally said. Do what you can with what you have. Call when it's complete. Yes, sir, Bretz replied. And Kersey? Yes? The Corporal took a deep breath. Thanks. He was glad the Captain didn't push the issue. He knew the information hurt Kersey as well, but he didn't want to talk about it, nor think about it, at the moment. They'd have time to grieve later. The Captain didn't respond and didn't have to. Brett set down the phone, popping the truck into reverse and moving back to join the others. Chapter 10 The group sat a mile away from the interchange, yammering over the CB radio about nonsense. Brett leaned back in the driver's seat, chomping on a granola bar and reading one of the trashy romance novels to attempt to get his mind off of things. After a few moments of solitude... There was a knock on the passenger window and he jumped. He looked up and saw Baker waving at him, so he unlocked the door. The private opened it and slid inside, closing the door behind him. We're looking clear, so I thought I'd come over and check on you, he said. I'm fine, Gretz replied flatly. Baker leaned over and looked at the book, raising an eyebrow. You're reading The Rose and the Rapier, he said. Even under normal circumstances that would be a cry for help. The corporal didn't have the energy to laugh. He dog-eared the page and closed it, setting it aside with a deep sigh. Now's not the time. I agree, Baker said, which is why I'm here to talk about the mission. We're a truck short, after all, and we need to figure out what to do about it. Thought you could use a sounding board without the newbies. He reached over and turned down the CB radio before pulling out one of the maps. Bretz took a deep breath and nodded, feeling good about being in work mode. Well, we need two trucks to block off the 520 bridge, and I think we should definitely do that. Once we get past this interchange, we're less than a mile away from it, Baker replied. Are you thinking we dropped two off as originally planned? The corporal nodded. I think we need to, don't you? He asked. We know for a fact we can complete this part of the mission, and based on what we saw in Redmond, our boys on foot coming in from the east are going to need all the help they can get. Every zombie we block is a zombie they don't have to fight the private agreed. Bretz nodded, meaning it'll be more likely they'll get to us sooner rather than later. I'm all about that, Baker replied, and picked up the offending book, especially if this is the level of entertainment quality we can expect. Bretz chuckled, finally giving in to the levity. It's not as bad as the cover makes it out to be. Okay, now I'm really worried about you, Baker said, shaking his head. The corporal shrugged, I mean, a dude did get stabbed in the face in the first chapter, he insisted. All right, Baker replied, setting the book down. Maybe it's not all bad after all. They shared a laugh, both of them trying everything they could to avoid the elephant in the room. After a moment of awkward silence, the sound of helicopter blades came up from behind them. 
About damn time, Baker muttered. Brett sat up straight. You should get back to your truck, he suggested. Depending on what's on the other side of the bridge, we might not have much time to bust through. They exchanged a fist bump, and Baker jumped out of the cab. Brett's leaned forward, looking up to see how the chopper pilots were going to pull this off. Two Apache gunships roared overhead, slowing down as they approached the bridge. The zombies underneath turned their attention to the flying fortresses, shambling out towards the road. The two warbirds hovered about three hundred yards from the bridge before one of them descended, finally stopping about three feet off of the ground. It centred itself on the ground and then opened fire. The two miniguns on either side of the chopper spun, sending thousands of rounds of hot lead down the road. The front edge of the zombie mass liquefied, vanishing in a spectacular spray of bone and blood. It took a few moments, but the zombie mass started to melt away, like piping hot tap water on a block of ice in the sink. For a solid thirty seconds the bullets flew, destroying everything in sight. Finally the bullets ran dry, and Brett's could see through the mass to the other side. The first chopper lifted up, moving away from the battle, while the second one dropped down and turned towards the trucks. It lowered down enough so that Bretts could see the pilot, who motioned for them to follow. The corporal grabbed his CB, barking. We're on the move! He popped the truck into gear and raced forward, the rest following behind. He picked up steam to make it past the carnage on the road while the zombies weren't a threat anymore. The puddles of gore on the ground could be an issue if their speed was too low. As he hit the front edge of the massacre, the truck fishtailed a bit, slipping on the liquefied corpses. Watch it, the road's slick, he said into the radio. Brett's pushed through, getting to the other side of the bridge just in time to see hundreds more ghouls on the road. They were spread out, but still a potential threat. As he pressed up the street, the gunship angled itself while moving forward, unleashing another torrent of minigun fire. The bullets peppered the horde, ripping them to shreds and clearing a path for the trucks. The fire was sustained, shredding everything in their way. The road took a long curve before leading to the bridge, forcing the pilot to maneuver some fancy flying. He continued firing as he made the adjustment around the bend, unleashing the last bit of ammo into the horde. Unfortunately, there was a large pack of ghouls surrounding a small hatchback that couldn't be seen, and the hard fire hit it in just the right way to start a fire. Watch it! We got a burner! Bretts barked and sped past the car. As Baker passed it, the car exploded and he lost control of the truck, slamming it into the median before skidding off of the road. Bretts immediately slammed on the brakes as all of the other trucks behind his friend were forced to stop. Several of the zombies still standing made their way towards the fallen truck. The corporal didn't hesitate grabbing his rifle and hopping out of the truck, running as quickly as he could towards Baker. As he ran, he looked up and noticed the pilot frantically pointing towards the bridge. He glanced over his shoulder to see a pack of zombies in the dozens were a hundred yards away and closing. He ran as fast as he could as the Apache flew off. There was another second or two of minigun fire, but it ceased and the chopper headed for the coast. Brett's remained focused on the current threat of the half-dozen creatures getting ever closer to Baker. He opened fire, striking a few zombies in the side doing little more than distracting them. Yeah, that's it, come get me, he yelled. He ran towards the truck, skirting the ghouls and putting himself between the zombies and Baker, choosing his targets carefully. One by one he aimed and fired, dropping the monsters in quick order. Once they were reduced to a pile of bodies, he whirled around and clambered up into the truck. Baker, he gushed, you good? 
The private was dazed but conscious, blood running down from his forehead, and turned to look at Brett with confused eyes. Come on, man, we gotta move, the corporal urged, holding out his hand. Baker blinked a few times and then reached up to wipe the blood from his face, shaking his head as if to clear it. What the fuck happened? he asked. Chopper boy blew up a car, Brett replied. Baker grunted. Nothing like a friendly fire IED, he muttered. Get your stuff and come on, the corporal said, motioning for him to come. Baker nodded and collected his gear, including his freshly packed food bag. They hit the ground and started running towards Brett's truck, as Short pulled up behind it. He unrolled his window. Is Baker okay? he asked. That was wild. Yeah, he's just dinged up. Brett's replied, suddenly realizing his heart had been in his throat the whole time he'd been fighting the zombies. The relief at Baker being alive washed over him, and he straightened his shoulders. What do you want us to do, Corporal? Short asked. Brett's motioned ahead. Get up to the bridge and pick a spot to block off, he instructed. Two trucks, don't care which, block it off fully. Just leave an opening so I can get through. We'll take care of it, Corporal, Short replied and rolled out bringing the CB to his lips to relay the orders to the others. Bretts walked to the passenger side with Baker and helped him up into the seat. We've been living off scraps for a month, he grunted playfully. How in the hell are you still this heavy? Just lucky, I guess, Baker replied with a lopsided grin. Bretts secured him and then slammed the door, running around to the driver's side. He popped the truck into gear and headed off towards the bridge, as he grew closer, there were still several standing zombies which he bonked as he went by, unavoidable given how they were staggered across the road. The bridge itself was mostly clear, with only the occasional straggler on it. As he grew closer to the blockade, Hess and Short stood standing outside, picking off zombies within thirty yards of them. There was a truck-sized hole between them, and he easily pulled through. As soon as he was clear, Kent moved his big rig so that the two big vehicles blocked off the entire highway bridge. Brett's braked to a stop on the other side and hopped down as the other soldiers clustered around him. How's Baker? Hess asked immediately. The corporal nodded. He's fine. Just got his bell rung when that car detonated, he explained. I gotta admit, Kent drawled. Up until that point, those chopper boys put on a hell of a show. Always wondered what a minigun would do to a human body. Hess motioned to the tires of the parked trucks, which were coated in a dark crimson goo. Well... We're going to be reminded of it until we get rescued, because that stuff isn't coming off any time soon, he said. So, who was staying behind? Bretts asked. Hess and Kent both raised their hands. The corporal took a deep breath. Okay, do me a favor, though, he said. Take Baker. He's going to be okay, but with the way the day is going, I need whoever is going to be with me to the main target to be functioning. Hess nodded. Of course, corporal. Wait, Kent cut in, raising his palms. You're not still moving ahead, are you? There's only two trucks left. You can only get half the bridge with that. Don't have a choice, Brett's replied firmly. Kent's eyes widened. Hell yeah, you got a choice, he declared. Stay here and solidify this position. Make damn sure our boys to the east are good, and once they get here, we can move to the north. Wish I could, believe me, Brett's replied, shaking his head. But even if it's only a partial blockade, it's going to be better than nothing. A significant portion of our troops are coming in from the north, and we need to secure as much of that bridge as possible. He turned to Short, raising an eyebrow. Question is, are you game for it? Yes, sir, the private replied immediately. We'll get it done. Good, I like that attitude, 
Brett commended, clapping him on the shoulder. Hess, Kent, let's get Baker transferred over. The trio moved to the passenger's side, and Brett opened the door. Baker stared down at him, looking bewildered. Um, he drawled, is there something I should know? Kent smiled. Yeah, you're bunking with us for a few days, he said, jerking a thumb over his shoulder. So toss down your shit so the corporal here can get a move on. Wait, no, 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 Baker said, waving his hands in front of his face. Brett, you aren't going anywhere without me. He put his foot on the step and slipped, grabbing the doorframe to steady himself. I... I just need a few minutes. That's time we don't have, Brett said gently. I need you to get out of this truck. Baker stared at him, shaking his head, pain in his eyes. What in the hell are you going to do with only two trucks? Yeah, we already tried that angle with him, Kent quipped. Didn't work, so come on now. Baker reluctantly climbed down from the truck, dragging his bag behind him. He turned and glanced at Short, who had been getting his stuff ready to get back to his own truck. You watch after him, you hear? Baker said as firmly as he could, despite his shaky movements. Short nodded. I'll keep him safe, he said. Now you go get some rest. Baker patted him on the shoulder and then stumbled off towards the blockade. You ready to head out? Bretz asked. Short nodded and exchanged a fist bump with Hess and Kent. We'll see you boys on the other side, Kent said, clapping him on the back. Bretz offered him a thin smile and then headed for the driver's seat, ready to face the horrors that lay ahead. Chapter 11 Bretz and Short drove down the highway one behind the other, driving slowly to avoid any more wrecks. The closer they got to their destination, the more seemed to be littering the road. Abandoned cars were scattered about, and countless zombies roamed the streets. The creatures were too dense to avoid, but in small enough groups that the trucks were able to just plough through them. Bretz raised the CB radio to his mouth. We have about a mile to go until we reach the interstate interchange, he said. Once we hit that, we'll be less than a mile from the bridge. How far up do you want to get? Short asked. With the way today is going, I'll settle for just making it to the bridge, the corporal admitted. Anything past that is a bonus. Hear that, Short replied. They drove a little further before Brett slowed to a crawl, and then squealed to a stop. You have got to be fucking kidding me, he muttered to himself. Everything okay, Corporal? Short asked through the radio. Brett lifted the receiver to his mouth, shaking his head. Why don't you pull up beside me and take a look for yourself? The second truck pulled up next to him and then Short came through. Some days it just ain't your day. The interchange was a colossal clusterfuck. There was a major pile-up with overturned cars and transport trucks. To add to the mess, there were a few thousand zombies roaming about. They sat there, dumbfounded, before getting back to it. You got a map over there? Bretz asked. Yes, sir, Short replied. The corporal nodded to him through the window as he spread his own map over his lap. Good, he said into the radio. Let's start figuring out how we're going to pull this off. They studied the satellite imagery, tracing fingers over the numerous potential routes. After a few minutes, Bretz finally took a deep breath. I got one potential, and I'm not a huge fan, he admitted. Pretty sure we're on the same page, Corporal, Short replied dryly. Bretz sighed. Okay, that's the plan then, he replied. 
We'll backtrack half a mile to the previous exit, then hope to Christ that surface street bridge is clear. We'll have to fight our way through some residential areas and get to the bridge on the north side. Or, do you see something different? Nope, Short replied with his own exhale. That's what I had, too. The corporal shook his head. Looks like there's a break in the median a few hundred yards up, he said. Let's get turned around. I'm on your six, Short replied. Brett's accelerated slowly, carefully making the turn through the emergency crossover in the median. As he came about, there were several zombies in the way which Brett's just rolled over. He cut it a little tight, scraping the back portion of the trailer. Guess we need to add some paint to the shopping list, Short quipped. Brett's found himself chuckling, glad for the levity. Nah, scrapes build character, he replied. He moved up the interstate a bit as he waited for his companion to take the turn as well. He looked to the side, watching the zombie-infested neighborhood, the roads packed thick with them. Every nook and cranny of this town is jam-packed with these things, he thought bitterly, starting to wonder if we even have enough resources to pull this off. He continued to stare, just shaking his head in disbelief at the sheer number of them. He snapped out of his reverie as Short blared his horn behind him. Okay, follow close, Brett said into the radio. Those surface streets look like they're going to be a nightmare. Lead on, Short said. The corporal hit the gas and they convoyed back towards the previous exit. As they descended the ramp, Brett saw two cars at the bottom that appeared to have been involved in a crash at some point. It blocked most of the road. He raised the radio to his mouth. Lay off a bit, I'm going to have to clear this out, he said, and then hung up the receiver. He sped up, angling the big rig so that it would hit the back bumper of one of the cars. He smacked into it hard, sending broken glass and metal flying through the air. The jolt threw him around in the cab a bit, shaking him up. The noise, of course, attracted some unwanted attention, and zombies began pouring out of the side streets, slowly filling the road ahead of them. Shit, that woke them up, he said into the radio. We're going to have to haul ass or we're going to get trapped. He hit the gas, truck picking up steam as the road to the bridge filled with more and more ghouls. There was a narrow path in the centre of the road, and he aimed for it, silently praying. As he pushed forward, hands smacked against the front grille as the undead reached for it. Soon the light smacks turned into thuds as bodies shambled out in front, and he punched the accelerator even more. He glanced into his side mirror, watching as more zombies filled in behind him, getting in the way of Short's truck. You gotta keep your foot on the gas, Brett said firmly into the radio. Trying to, Corporal, Short replied. Engine isn't too happy about it, though. Brett shook his head, his stomach sinking at their situation. He perked up a bit at the sight of the front edge of the bridge a few blocks ahead. There were zombies there, but it was mostly clear, nothing like the streets they were currently on. Just keep pushing, he urged. The bridge is just ahead. Brett's floored it, giving the truck everything it had. He made it to the bridge, obliterating a group of zombies at the front of it, shaking the truck violently. The impact caused him to briefly lose control, smacking into the concrete barrier on the two-lane bridge. He struggled with the wheel but regained control, breathing a sigh of relief at the close call. He slowed down a bit, as the bridge wasn't as packed as the street, short doing the same thing once he was up. Brett's checked the side mirror seeing the front of the big rig covered in blood, several rotted limbs sticking out of the grill and a few creatures jammed up into the wheel wells. How's your truck doing? he asked. Not too good, 
Short admitted. I don't know if she's going to make the bridge or not. Bretz muttered obscenities under his breath and then looked in the mirror again, seeing smoke furling out from beneath the hood. Damn it, no way that's making it to the bridge, he said to himself. He made a westward turn towards the target, reaching a street along the waterfront. When he turned, he glanced to the right, seeing a college campus jam-packed with zombies. How are you doing back there? he asked into the radio. With the way this thing is chugging, I'm going to be dead in the water in under a minute, Short replied, voice rising. Bretz frantically looked around for some sort of solution. Finally, he spotted a grocery store on the edge of campus. Get to that grocery store on the right, he barked into the radio. Get as close to the building as you can. See you there, Short replied. The two trucks veered off of the road and into the lot, with easily a hundred zombies strewn about. They turned, moaning, arms reaching for the trucks. Bretz drove down the outer aisle, smacking into the occasional ghoul before making the turn to the front of the store. He bumped it up onto the sidewalk, scraping up against the wall and crushing some zombies as he went. He looked in the side mirror to see Short following suit, parking just behind him. Bretz rolled down the window, looking out to see outstretched arms, less than a foot below him. There were a dozen creatures right there, with more headed his way. He carefully climbed out of the window, pulling himself up onto the hood and climbing on top of the trailer. He strolled to the back and watched Short kick out the front windshield to get out. The private stood on the front of the truck, a few feet away from Brett's, and tossed over his bag and a container of water. The corporal held out his hand to help him climb over the rotted chorus below. One last check for a truck, I take it? Short asked. Brett's nodded. Figured we're here, might as well, right? He spread his arm like a game-show host, presenting the roof of the grocery store to his companion. Short took a run at it, leaping the several-foot height and pulling himself up. He turned around and reached down to help Bretts climb after him. They walked towards the back of the store, the sun warming their skin as they strolled. "'I know we're almost in November,' Short began, and then paused. "'Oh, heck, we might already be. Kind of lost track of days lately.' Bretts snorted. "'No kidding.' But this weather reminds me of being back on the farm, Short continued. Bright sun, blue skies, and a nice breeze to keep it from getting too hot. The corporal cocked his head. Spent a lot of time on the farm, did you? Oh, yes, sir, the private replied. Started helping my dad pick eggs up from the chickens when I was four years old. Every summer, every vacation, and weekend. I was out there bright and early with him. Well, I hope you took good notes, because when all this is over, we're going to have a lot of mouths to feed. Bretz replied. Dang, I hadn't thought about that, Short mused. Gonna be a long winter. Bretz shook his head. Can't have a long winter unless we get to it first. They approached the back of the store, looking down on the loading docks and seeing nothing but empty pavement. Well, that's a bit of a letdown, Short said with a sigh. Not sure how much we're going to be able to block off with only one truck. Bretz shrugged. Looks like we're going to find out, he said. Come on, let's get back to the truck and head out. As they walked, they passed by some skylights that looked down into the store. Curiosity got the better of Short, and he paused to look down inside. There were dozens of zombies roaming about, walking up and down the aisles like undead shoppers. He let out a low whistle. Man, it looks like a bunch of folks took refuge in the store, he said, and it didn't turn out too good for them. Bretts turned and joined him at the skylight, staring down. I feel bad for the clear teams, he admitted. 
Can you imagine how many buildings are going to look just like this after we clear the streets? Thousands easily, Short agreed. Probably in the tens of thousands. Those boys are going to be busy for months. He broke away from the window, but Brett stayed put. Hang on a minute, the corporal said, raising a hand. What do you see? Short asked, rejoining him at the skylight. Brett's pointed to a big display of vodka bottles. Short raised an eyebrow. I'm more of a bourbon man myself, he said. On that point, we're going to get along just fine, the corporal said, pointing a finger at him. But I do have an idea with the vodka. We may not be able to block off the other side of the interstate with a truck, but we can certainly take out a fair number of them as they try to cross. The private perked up. Molotovs? Brent nodded. Molotovs. Short grinned and then shook his head. Wait, how are we getting in, though? Bretz looked around and spotted a nearby hatch. He opened it up, finding a ladder into the top portion of the store. They quickly climbed down onto the catwalk, forcing their way to the end of it where there was an upstairs office overlooking the store. Bretz climbed down the ladder, ducking his head into the office and shining a light, illuminating the small area and finding it empty with the door shut. He waved for Short to follow him down, and they descended into the office. They stood at the small window overlooking the store, peering out. The skylights did a good job of lighting up the building, and the soldiers studied the two dozen aisles in the gigantic store. Okay, looks like the liquor section is directly below us. About two aisles over, Brett said. From this vantage point, it doesn't seem like there are too many of those things around. How do you want to go about it? Short asked. Brett cocked his head. The display looked like it had full cases of booze, he began. So I say we get down there, each of us grab a case and haul ass back up here. If it works without drawing too much attention, we do it again. If we get too much heat on us, at least we can cause some trouble. I'm game, Short replied. Unless you're feeling frisky, though, I'd say we go silent. He pulled out his knife and the corporal nodded, revealing his own. They quietly crept through the door, slipping out onto the enclosed stairwell that led down into the main portion of the store. When they got to the bottom, Bretts peeked around the corner, seeing that there weren't any zombies nearby. He motioned for Short to follow him, and they darted out to head towards the alcohol. They stopped at the first aisle, and he looked down it, seeing only a few ghouls. He motioned again, and they silently moved up, dispatching the two corpses and gently laying them on the ground. When they reached the alcohol aisle and worked their way up, Bretts took a knee when they reached the end cap he'd seen from the roof. He flattened himself against the shelf and Short followed suit. Several zombies shambled by the aisle, moaning and dragging their feet as they went. Once they were past, Bretts moved up alone, looking out into the aisle and seeing fifteen zombies hanging out within thirty yards. He pursed his lips and then crept back to Short, speaking into his ear softly. Way too many of them to take out with knives, he whispered, so it's going to be a hit and run. Short nodded. I got an idea he whispered back. Follow me. He led them back towards the office stairwell, looking down every aisle as they went. After a few, he stopped, giving the corporal a thumbs up and then pulled out a shopping cart. We load up as much as we can on the buggy and get it back to the stairwell and unload it, he whispered. Bretts nodded. I like it, he replied quietly. Question is, do you want to shoot or do you want me to? Truth be told, Short admitted, I ain't so good in low light. The corporal smiled. I'll cover you while you load up. They shared a nod and leapt into action. Short grabbed the cart, pushing it along until they got back to the alcohol. Bretts carefully stepped into the main aisle, 
looking both ways to make sure the zombies were only in one direction. He readied his rifle and then nodded to his partner. Short grabbed the first case of twelve bottles, gently placing it into the cart. When he grabbed the second one, it rattled the display, clinking a few bottles together. The noise gained the attention of a few ghouls who began moaning and heading their way. Bretts held off, firing as long as he could, allowing Short to load in two more cases. Then he squeezed the trigger rapidly, taking out three ghouls in a matter of seconds. "'How many more?' he asked. Two more,' Short replied. Bretts continued picking targets, dropping them as his companion loaded the cart with seven cases. "'We're full,' Short reported, and then began pushing towards the stairwell. They raced down the aisle, Bretts covering their retreat as they went, tearing around the corner towards the office. The noise had attracted a few zombies at the other end. Short pulled out his weapon, but Bretts just pushed him forward. "'Get to the stairwell,' he said. "'I'll cover us.' The private raced back to the stairs, stopping the cart and grabbing a case of vodka, tearing up the stairs to begin unloading. Bretts stood his ground beside the cart, aiming down both directions and firing, picking off zombies one by one as Short sprinted up and down the stairs. "'We're good to go, Corporal!' he cried as he grabbed the last one and Bretts fired one more time, killing a zombie about fifteen yards away. He cracked a smile before kicking the cart to its side, blocking the stairwell, and tearing back up into the office. Short slammed the door and they pushed a desk against it to hold it secure. "'That went way smoother than anything else we've done today,' Bretts declared. Short grinned. "'Speaking of smooth, bet you didn't catch my slick little move while running down the aisle, did you?' he asked. Bretts furrowed his brow. "'Apparently I totally missed it.' The private reached behind one of the cases of vodka and pulled out a large bottle of bourbon. The corporal barked a laugh. I mean, we are going to have a few days to kill, he said with a shrug. Short clapped him on the shoulder and they began hauling their loot up the ladder. Chapter 12 Bretts drove the two of them to the bridge, seeing zombies shoulder to shoulder as they approached. They were within a couple hundred yards, only a left at the top of the street, but there were dozens of zombies standing in their way. "'You ready for one last push?' he asked. Short leaned forward. "'Bigger question is if this big beauty of a truck is ready for it,' he said, and stroked the dashboard. "'Okay, girl, you almost home. Just need you to push a little harder. Can you do that for me?' Bretts raised an eyebrow. Short shrugged. "'I mean—' Trucks need encouragement, too. Did you do that to your last truck? The corporal asked. His passenger chuckled. Well, no, he replied. Probably why she didn't make it. Okay, then, Bretts replied and gave the steering wheel a tender pat. Come on, you can do it. Short laughed and the corporal joined in, the two of them a little loopy from the absurdity of the situation and what they were about to do. Regardless of what happens... Brett said when he finally calmed down. It's been a pleasure. Short nodded solemnly. Likewise, Corporal. Brett's hit the gas, and the truck rumbled forward. He rolled over several zombies, and the noise gained the attention of the ghouls on the bridge. He floored it, gaining as much speed as he could, approaching the turn for the bridge. The sea of undead was dense, covering almost the entirety of the road on both sides. The big rig chugged along slowly with every impact. When Bretts reached the top of the road, he moved far to the right before making a hard left, hoping to keep up the momentum. The truck leaned to one side, several wheels coming off of the ground, 
crashing back down and crushing several bodies beneath. The impact sent bones jutting out of bodies, and a loud pop sounded as one of the tires blew. The sudden loss caused the truck to jar to the right, but Bretts was able to correct it. The zombies on the bridge pressed up against the vehicle, covering it on all sides. The remaining tires squealed, struggling to gain traction between the blood coating them and the dense force of the dead in front of it. Come on, Short yelled. We're almost there! The front wheels crossed the bridge threshold, and as soon as it did, Bretts began to angle the truck. The tires whined as the truck inched along, taking nearly a minute of constant flooring to make it to the edge of the bridge. Bretts checked his side mirror, seeing that the trailer portion stretched across two lanes of traffic, with only a single lane left empty. He took a deep breath and cut the engine, patting the steering wheel. You did good, girl, he cooed. Short shook his head in disbelief. Hell, if I knew that was going to work, I would have been praising every vehicle I've ever been in, he said. What do you say we go check out the view? the corporal asked. The two soldiers rolled down their windows, carefully crawling out to the hood before hopping up on top of the trailer. They looked down the bridge at the ocean of death. It was packed so densely that not a single inch of pavement was visible. Brett stood at the front of the truck, staring at the other side of the interstate that was just as packed. A decently sized crowd had stopped moving and staring up at him, arms outstretched. Well, maybe everything isn't lost, he thought. Hey, Corporal, come check this out, Short said from the rear. Bretts headed back to where his partner stood and cocked his head. Short pointed to the water in the distance, where there were a couple dozen small boats on the water, all headed towards Mercer Island. Looks like that island landing went well, Bretts said. Hopefully they were able to secure it. Short nodded. Maybe there's some hope for this after all. Could be. Bretts replied distantly. Could be. He reached into his pocket and pulled out the satellite phone, dialing it up. After a few moments, David answered. Captain Kersey's line, he greeted. The corporal cleared his throat. It's Bretts. Let me speak to the captain. Hang on, corporal, David replied, and there was a moment of silence before the line clicked back on. Your team at the bridge? Kersey asked. Bretts nodded. The 520 bridge protecting the eastern force is secure he reported. Guard two trucks there with three men to pick off stragglers. And the main target? Kersey prompted. Bretts took a deep breath. One truck, he replied. Two men. There was a moment of silence before the captain asked. Resistance a bit more than originally anticipated? The corporal couldn't help but chuckle. You could say that, bud, he said. To be perfectly honest, we were lucky to get the one truck we did here. If it had conked out five yards earlier, we would have fallen just short. How's it looking up there? Kersey asked. Bretts turned and stared down at the undead ocean. Like a shit show and a half, he said. Can't see any pavement at all. Hopefully the ones across the way will be more interested in you than our teams to the north, the captain replied. Bretts shrugged. Well, if they aren't, we did manage to secure a few dozen Molotovs, he said. So we'll be able to stem the tide a bit. Hopefully that will be enough, Kersey replied. There was another tense moment of silence, and he quickly added, And, Bretts, I know you did everything you could to complete this mission. I have no doubt in my mind that nobody could have done it better. The corporal swallowed hard. Appreciate that, Kersey. Sure thing, the captain replied. Well, you boys get comfortable, and we'll get to you as quick as we can. Bretts nodded. No rush, 
he assured him. The young private here managed to sneak us a bottle of bourbon while we were securing the Molotovs, so we'll be good for a while. Did he get the good stuff? Kersey asked, sounding amused. Bretz glanced at his partner. Captain wants to know if you got the good bourbon, he said. Aw, oh, hell yeah, Corporal, Short replied with a lopsided grin. Top shelf all the way, none of that well bullshit. Bretz chuckled. He says top shelf, he said into the phone. Remind me to give him a promotion once you guys get back safe, Kersey replied. Bretz laughed and gave Short a thumbs up. He'll be pleased to hear that. Well, you two stay safe, Kersey continued. I need to report to General Stevens and let him know what the situation is. The corporal nodded, tilting his head back to let the sun fall on his face. If you need us, you know where we'll be. You got it, Kersey replied. And again, great job today, Bretz. Thanks, Cap, he replied, and the line went dead. He pocketed the phone and scratched the back of his head, suddenly realizing the stench wafting off of the carpet on the dead was rather ripe. So, what now, Corporal? Short asked. Brett shrugged. I don't know, he replied honestly. You want to try out one of those Molotovs to make sure they work? You know, for science? Hell yeah, Short replied, laughing. I'll grab a bottle. As the kid darted to the front of the truck, Brett's pursed his lips, struggling to keep his composure. The fight was over for the time being, which was a relief, but the future was uncertain. All he could do now was drink some bourbon with a country kid and toss some Molotovs onto a horde of undead. The End Up next, the action shifts to the southwest as a single ship makes a desperate beach landing in an attempt to create a southern front in the war in Seattle, Part 4. <laughs>